Hi, this is Rick Ryle. And Kurt Ryle from the Grip Weeds. Welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Vibrations. Music and musings from the House of Vibes. Rick and I are not only musicians and members of the Grip Weeds, we are also self-taught recording engineers and producers. In each episode of this podcast series, we'd like to talk about what's going on with the Grip Weeds, of course, but also how we got into recording in the first place, how we set up our own studio, House of Vibes, and tips and techniques from our many years as engineers and producers. We hope to bring you many fun and interesting episodes about the band and our approach to recording. And from time to time, we will have guests on the show. So without further ado, let's dive into our first episode, Casual Observers to a Crime. Kurt, you wrote the song Casual Observer to a Crime on our latest release, Trip Around the Sun. What were you thinking? (laughs) That's kind of what I wonder myself. What was I thinking? This was written in, I would say it was early 2017. Uh, I was getting the idea that that things were not normal. (laughs) Um, They certainly aren't. No, I I was thinking it wasn't a normal scenario, a normal situation, a normal administration. And I started to think of the movie, All the President's Men. Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. What a classic. Movie book, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, played by Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. It's one of Kristen and my favorite films. Mine, too. And uh, I started thinking that uh, this time period would make an unbelievable film. It sure is unbelievable. So I was writing the song from a cinematic perspective as if I were a director or a screenwriter going, wow, what kind of a film can I make of this? And it's almost like, you know, we've got this cinematic idea in my head, but it was about this reality TV show presidency. But I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get too uh, specific. Yeah, the words have a really carnival atmosphere to them, like uh, almost like a freak show. But the music is really strong. It's a good tune. You know, it's got a melody. High energy rock and roll. There's little buzzwords in there and little clues that don't exactly come right out and say it. Yeah, you can interpret this uh, in different ways. But there definitely are some clever clues in there, like uh, the fox is running the race. What's that about? Right. And the other thing that was concerning to me, our system of government is a participatory system, you know? That's right. Yeah. Democratic Republic. Exactly. If you can keep it. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> what, are we, what are we supposed to do? I mean, you could do anything you want, but ultimately I think it's you, you need to vote. Uh, the lyric is, I got to get up off the sidelines. I can't sit idly by like a casual observer to a crime. You got to get out and help. You got to participate in your system. Oh, you might say it's a little bit of a civics lesson by the Gripweeds. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we play the track now so people can hear what we're talking about? I was just thinking that. So here it is. Casual Observer to a Crime. It's from Trip Around the Sun, uh, the album we put out a couple years ago now on Gem Records. And hit it.
rock and roll, and so subversive. Well, I really love the cinematic imagery of the lyrics. In fact, it would make a hell of a good video. Ha ha ha. <laughs> We've not done in the Grip Weeds, I would not call us necessarily a political band. I think there was one other political song that I wrote called Get By, which yeah. was a little bit of a nod to what was going on during the Bush administration and the invasion of Iraq. I don't think anyone really picked up on it, which is fine because I wasn't trying to, you know, I, I was never thinking the Gripweed should be like the MC5, the 60s band who were very political, or even Bruce Springsteen, who's very political. What do you say to uh, fans of the band who may not be Democrats, you know? You, you might have heard from a few people, fans of the band who are Republicans. What are, what are we saying to them? Well, I mean, the, the, the song itself kind of went under the radar. People didn't really notice, and that's kind of how I wanted it. I didn't want it, I didn't want it to be right in your face. When we made the video, which I guess we'll talk about later, we got, we got a bit more specific, but I did get a couple of responses from fans. A couple of them said, you know, I was a fan until you went political. Uh-oh. I don't think we as a band ought to wade too much into that because I do think, and I think you probably do too, that, uh, you know, there is a thing called art artistic expression. Exactly. We as songwriters and as musicians can't help but mirror the society that we that we live in. Right. Oh, yeah, there's this crazy thing going on in our country. Well, yeah, I'm going to write about it. How could you not? This can't be a surprise that hmm. we're not supporters of the Trump administration. Right. It just can't be. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean that we, I don't think either of us are going to be here to tell anybody what to do. No. In fact, I, I would just like to say right now to fans of ours who are listening to this podcast, we have many friends who are Republicans. We are not here to preach to anyone who they should vote for and what they should do. If I can summarize what our core philosophy is to the extent that we have one, I've always felt that we're a band that is about being positive and optimistic in the face of difficult times. You could see that right in the band name. Yeah. You know, the grip, the grip weeds you're hanging on to in the face of adversity. You know, it hasn't all been uh, wine, women, and song for us. So <laughs> Not wine, women, and song for us all the time, no. No, so I mean, we've had to claw and scratch our way for whatever we get or got. And uh, Yeah, it's been challenging. It, it's challenging to be a band in these times. You have to do a lot yourself. Yeah, right. And it brings me to another question. Some of what we're going to be talking about on our show in future episodes, as you know, we're engineers and producers and we love recording. We're, we're geeks <laughs> about it. Anything new for the Grip Weeds in, in the production here? Yes, in fact. Um, this was the first song to feature a horn section. Finally. A real horn section. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things I think you would agree with me. It was kind of like, you know, it's we're a guitar band, no horns. And I always kind of felt that way until you start going, well, what else can I do? And then when, in our case, being that we have a studio and we're, you know, sort of searching and, and kind of, uh, you know, looking for new sounds or new ways of doing things, you kind of go, oh man, a horn section might be kind of cool. I was thinking, you know, a little bit like The Who 515. Absolutely great reference for this. Yeah. We are on Gem Records, and it was the president of Gem Records, Marty Scott, who originally uh, had suggested that to you, right? 
Yeah, we developed a relationship with Marty going back about 2014, 13. And uh, he found us when he was resurrecting Gem Records. And he, he said uh, about Casual Observer, he said, you know, you really should put horns on that. And I was like, I never thought of that. And, and I think if it was the old me. The old, the old me wouldn't have done it. With the mindset of uh, a little bit more rigid and, you know, I know what I want. No, 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 you can't tell me. I wouldn't do it. But I think, you know, because we're at the point where we've got, we're seven albums in now, we could say, you know, oh, yeah, all right, let's try something different. We've done the other thing. So let's, yeah. You know, now it's, it's time to experiment now. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's how Marty got involved. That's how the horns got involved. Well, guess what? What? I like the new you. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm, I think I'm more popular now. <laughs> so anyway, the, the, um, I found this horn section because I... You found them on the side of the road in Woodbridge, New Jersey. Kind of, but not exactly. I, Playing for dollars on the street. I saw them with a, a band called Hey Bulldog, which is a Beatles tribute group. Who would have thought that? Yeah, right. And uh, they happened to be a horn section. It was one of the guy's father in the band. And, uh, and then some younger people from Highland Park area. A generational band. Yeah, so it was kind of neat uh, getting them in. And the, the best thing about it was I, I basically, Marty was here for the horn section. And uh, we basically, you know, said, play these notes. And they, they did. Marty had the notes? Well, no, Marty was in the control room with me. But he, he had the idea for what they should play. We, we discussed it as we went, and, uh, and he was like, no, I want to hear it, you know, whatever it was. And I said, no, I think it should go straight. And, and so we wound up, as you do, you kind of find a, the best way with two different ideas and the ideas of the horn section themselves. I would, of course, say to the trumpet player, can you play a high C? And he would go, uh, maybe or not, you know. Um, so, you know, you always push them to their limits. They tell you yes or no. And then you go from there. And uh, that's kind of what we did. Were you, were you like when, when Paul McCartney told that coronet player on Penny Lane to play that super high note again? I believe that was me. And then George Martin said, good gosh, Paul, you can't ask him again. He's in the Royal Orchestra. You can't ask him again to play that. Yeah, talking as a studio producer and engineer, when you're working with an artist... And you're recording it, and you're hearing an idea, and you go, "Well, can you just try? I think if you if you go one, you know, one more take, and I think you're going to be dialed in." So there's kind of a natural arc to the session to get the magic performance, and there's an arc to it. You want to be at the top of that arc where you got the magic track, the magic performance. That's where you stop because you've realized you've hit the arc of that, and you're on your way back down. Now you're giving the listener some real insight into production. It's not just the act of recording. You have to have a psychological relationship with, with the artist and make sure that they trust you enough to give you their best take. You're making magic, and you're looking for a certain quality that will leap off the track, that has an emotion, that has a content that goes beyond the sum of the tracks and the, all of the work that you did on them. And it, and it becomes this powerful experience that you feel. You know, because there's this element of capturing a magical performance, 
I can't stress enough that the more you rehearse before you come to a studio, the better, because you want to be familiar enough with your material that when you come into the studio, you can just relax and play something unconsciously rather than thinking, oh, I got to get this part. Of course, I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> well, people, we have been nicknamed... The Bicker the Brothers, Bicker brother. because uh, there are people who would pay us to come in and record and listen to us argue. <laughs> Remember true. that? That is a true statement. Yeah. I wish they would still do that. Yeah. You know what? If you want to pay us to argue, please, we're, we'll, we'll give you a good rate. We, we'll give it to you. If that's what you want, we've got it. I'm going to bring this now back to Casual Observer. Ha, so it was, okay, so the song Casual Observer to a Crime was just a track on Trip Around the Sun. Yeah, I mean, just to finish off, I'm sorry, Rick, Yeah, uh, just to finish off with the audio side of things and to tie in with what you just, what we were just talking about, we basically gave the track all the a ammunition we could to make it a stomping rock and roll. Just a great experience that you got to get up and dance to. Yeah, it does have that. Just, you know, fun, rocking, ass kicking. That's what it's supposed to be. We don't, we don't always write that kind of song. It's ass kicking and well, it does kick Trump's ass a little bit, <laughs> which gets us back to the song in the video sense. How did it come to be that we turned this song into a video? Well, I think it was kind of two parts to that. Um, yeah, it was, like you say, it was in the song, right, the writing of the song. It was a visual idea. And uh, we did do a day, if you remember, we did a day of uh, shooting with, um, with a crew. And uh, we shot some performance video uh, of a number of songs. That was very clever to do. And we kind of just, you know, stockpiled them just to have. We, don't, we didn't know what we were going to do. So it's a black background. Let's just gather some footage and collect it. And, you know, maybe we'll put it out depending on the circumstances. And we made a few videos that way. Yeah. So then, again, Marty Scott. Marty, is, he figures big in this song. Marty, he, he has a nickname. He's, he, he, his nickname is Deal A Day. I didn't know that. Yeah, if you go on his website, I think, I mean, Gem Records, it was Deal a Day. He's got ideas. There'll definitely be a Gem Records episode in the oh, future. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. With Marty on. Absolutely. But back to the yeah. casual observer. I mean, he's got ideas nonstop, and, you know, if, if you let him go, he'll give you them all. All at once? <laughs> but maybe we don't want them all. It's better that he doles them out one at a time. Yeah, so he said, you know, you got to make a video, and... Things are crazy with the impeachment, and you got to do this. And I'm like, yeah, okay, um, all right. And, and uh, if I may make a quick shameless plug for myself, um, in my other band, The Wild Old Souls, we specifically did a cover of For What It's Worth, the Buffalo Springfield song, and we did a video for it. And, you know, we specifically did this for the election period. And I think that was also a bit of an inspiration for uh, the Gripweeds. Also, um, you know, along with Marty, who was really pushing it and saying, get in there and don't be afraid to put Trump in it. Not that we're a political band, but at some point, you know, the Beatles did do revolution. Hey, CSNY, Ohio. We're entitled to once in a while say something like Well, that. you know, you, Marty, if, if Marty had his way, it would have been probably wall to wall, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but anyway... 
you know, there was that. And then closer, as we get closer to the election, you know, we realize the value of prodding people to get off the sidelines and vote. And what, what I love about this is we, we had set from the beginning that when Trump appears in this video, he's only going to appear in cartoon form. Well, yeah, but, you know, you know going uh, to the idea that, you know, we're not an overtly political band. I mean, we have our... No, and we're not trying to be mean to them. And, you know, what's what's wrong with a little humor? We have our views. He appears in cartoon form. And there's nothing wrong with a little humor. And I think everybody thought, it's probably better that we make fun of them than we, uh, you know, than we, like, really take the piss out of them. It's probably exactly. Better. Let's use them, you know, in a kind of a fun way because, you know, we're not here with the knives out. You know, we'll leave that, we'll leave the knives out to... Other people. The Lincoln Project. <laughs> By the way, as far as cartoons go, I have to have to give a shout out to my wife, Ivy Vale, also of the Wild Old Souls. Uh, Ivy, among other things, is a visual artist, and she, uh, she has created some really incredibly funny Trump art. And one of the pieces of Trump art is featured in our video. Um, yes. She did. And I, I actually requested it. Yes. You remembered. And then uh, I think it may have been Kristen's idea or even Marty's again. Marty said, you got to have a, a lyric. You got to have a crawl, you know, like they have on news, um, news shows. It's always they always have that. I love that part of the video, like the, the uh, news, the, the thing at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have the crawl of, at the bottom where they have all the headlines and things. So very clever. We realized we really needed a real this to be a lyric video because the song is, does have uh, the context of the, of the lyrics and they're important. And it would be good to you know who liked the lyrics in this there. song. No, my mother-in-law. <laughs> okay, nice. Love the lyrics. Yeah. Hi, mom-in-law. Mother-in-law. If you like the video, it's you can see it on Facebook. You can see it on Twitter. Uh, please share it YouTube. if you like it. YouTube. YouTube, yeah. absolutely. Please share it if you like it. I think that covers the video. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. There is a Gem Records release that we're a part of, and I believe you were the mastering engineer. Gem Records celebrates John Lennon. Yeah. Um, well, I had a lot to do with that because Marty calls me a lot and says, Hey, I got this idea. It's good that you know he's a passionate guy. When you when you he know is, Marty, he's great. he loves the music, and that's the great thing about being on this label. It's a stable of like-minded artists. Everybody's is pretty cool, you know, as far as like you know supporting each other. And yeah, Marty has his own taste, which happens to coincide with a lot of our musical tastes, and so I guess that's why we're on the that's why we're on the label, and that's why you know bands we like are on the label, not only because they've worked here at the House of Vibes, but um, because they happen to musically jive with what he likes. So it was the 80th birthday, what would have been John's 80th birthday, and it was also is also the 40th year that he's been gone. So it's literally like a halfway point. And he had the idea, well, let's, you know, let's mark this. I just happened to get, it's, it's, perfect for this situation and this what we're talking about right now and uh i can't imagine what it is i got the uh imagine get it huh? yeah i got the new lennon collection give me some truth give me some truth is this the remixed one yeah 
I got oh that. Oh my! And that it's it's funny because that came out on October 9th, and our album Gem Re- Records celebrates John Lennon. That also came out on October 9th, and nothing else. So we really like surprisingly we hit this right because there's no other tributes at this time, which I think is an amazing thing. We 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 wound up getting in amazing. There. Thank God we did something right. Okay, so the Grip Weeds, of course, were on this collection, the Lennon collection, with a number of other really, really great gem bands, like the Weaklings, of course, uh, the Anderson Council. There's some other ones that you produced? Yeah, I um, well, I actually played and mixed uh, uh, the uh, Anderson Council song, I Found Out, which is from Plastic Ono Band. I did that. Great version of that. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the, the, the great thing about the House of Vibes, when you bring a band in, is you wind up being another member of the band and you're involved in the creation of the music and you really get a sense of what other artists do. And I think that informs everything else that you do. You know, you kind of pick up a little trick. Oh, you know, Peter Horvath likes to do that phasing trick. Maybe I'll try that on the next Gripweed song. You know, something like that. You out of your own head into somebody else's head right and that's happened more times than i can tell you and it's not always it doesn't always work sometimes you you try these things and they don't work for you but sometimes you interpret them another way the midnight callers is a new band on gem that came to me first in the studio to mix their album and i wound up helping them with the vocals i, I thought they needed to be a little bit tighter so we tracked their vocals at house of vibes so that was that one i also played on the gold needles tracks uh, i played drums on them and then i just mastered those and those tracks by the gold needles who are a band out of england and uh, then when there was uh, the weaklings with the word and what's the new mary jane which i just mastered those um they sounded great too they, they did a great job with them uh, then there was Jonathan Pushkar from Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, great guy. I met him at the uh, Daryl's house. He's show. An, he's another young artist, and uh, he uh, he came up with "I Call Your Name" and just like starting over. And um, good choices. Yep. And then um, oh, uh, Richard Barone. Oh, did he's a cla- a classic indie artist. Oh yeah, Richard Barone is uh, he goes way back with Marty actually in Gem Records from the bongos days so he did revolution power to the people mashup a lot of mashups going on a lot of mashups and uh and then we did you can't do that and we did strawberry fields yeah yeah so you can't do that we'd already played that live uh backing up mark Lindsay of paul revere and the raiders yeah we did a show called abbey road on the river and that was a beetle fest that was in uh kentucky area so they said, well, to be on the show, you've got to do some Beatles songs. I was the musical director for us with Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders. The one and only. He's got that great legendary body of music that you can really, you know, just amazing songs. And, and he's still, the voice is intact. You know, he's so... You know, he was in great shape all the time. And he bounces around the stage. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're like, what songs should we do? And Mark and I were discussing and I said, you know, I think you can't do that. would be perfect. It's almost as if we can do it almost as if the Raiders were doing it in 66. Well, all right. Let's hear it then. You can't do that. I got something to say that might cause you pain if I catch you. 
I love it, do you hear? I'm very happy to uh, have done it as a Grip Weeds track. Well, people are liking it, so I think we did a good job on it. I thought, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back, Rick. You know, we did our best. <laughs> no, well, do, do it. Pat. I'm patting. Patting myself. <laughs> Here I am. There you go. What I'd like to say about this collection in general, what I like about it is nobody is trying to copy the original versions of any of these songs. Every band has done something original with the songs. I mean, the Weaklings version of the word sounds nothing like the Beatles version of the word. You've got to bring something else to the table. You've you know, and as recording artists, it's our joy, really, or our job, whichever way you want to look at it, either, you know, our pleasure to take a song and make it our own and find a space in that song to inhabit. Reinvent it. Breathe new life into it. Make it work anew, you know? Right. And we really did that with Strawberry Fields. We did a very different version. Yeah. In fact, I would say the you know, there's a couple of signature, I mean, the opening, bam, 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 and that bit. But so much of it was not modeled on the Beatles version. In fact, there was another version that was maybe more influential for our version, correct? Yeah, I have always been into the band Tomorrow. Yes, Tomorrow, 1967 English band that had Steve Howe of Yes in it. Yep, I think they even recorded at Abbey Road, to be honest. I think they did. Uh, they were an EMI group. So, uh, you know, they were, they were rubbing shoulders with those guys, no doubt about it. Um, but they put out a version of Strawberry Fields back in 68, maybe. And it was, it was a really cool kind of a stripped down... A rock version. Two guitars, bass, drums, rock, no frills. Guitar heavy, yeah. Yeah, no, no BS, you know, no playing around. We're going to just knock this out like we would if we were live. It's really straightforward, you know? Right. The Beatles already did something so unique with it. They did kind of a, a bit of a Brian Wilson thing where they had two different versions that they put together. I mean, this is legendary. Many people know this, but if you don't know it, they recorded two different versions and put them together. What we were trying to do is make every section of the song much different than the section before, which I'm not sure we've done, it, done that with our music to this extent, where we would change the arrangement radically from one part to the other. True, true. You know, doing the song Strawberry Fields, I felt it had a lot of drama. I felt it had inherent in the song, you know, let me take you to going. All of a sudden you're into this, this other world and you can build it. And then that was the hook for me because you got all these verses and then we could dole them out to each singer in the grip weeds and, and then take... Yeah, that was fun to do. From a production standpoint, take each little verse and make them little vignettes almost like a little you know kind of a little uh, world of its own a little their its own kind of sonic atmosphere and uh you know we are we're a band so everybody brings sure. in their their thing and you know we're working in the studio on uh strawberry fields the way we recorded this song as you know um because of the special covid situation uh we course, did this yeah. in parts uh, because I don't think we could work together at that time. Um, not all, not at all once. once. And you were ensconced in a different uh, state. Yeah, in a different state. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I still am in a different what state. state. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> altered, <laughs> different state of mind. So, so, so Kristen and I, I think, and I, I think we just went and recorded this track as a basic and said, I got an idea. And then I said, How about we do this? And, and by the way, we already did it. <laughs> but. Uh, 
you know, you came in and it was you and I, we were working on uh, the Farfisa and we pulled out all the keyboards. All the keyboards, which we now yeah, do. Yeah, and you kind of, yeah. that's where it's like, okay, let's see what comes up in the moment. And you go, oh, how about this sound? And, you know, I right. hear this and, oh, that's good. Let's do that. And, you know, I hear, yeah. I hear a little bit more, um, a little bit more powerful at the end. You put that in. There's an openness to the process. Yeah, that's right. In the end, you get something that's, bigger and more has more depth because everybody in the band has brought their own thing to it and they fully are invested definitely but there's time pressure we had to get the track done yep you know so uh it, it was like that so there was really no other time to uh to mess around and think about other things you know we just really had to zone in on it, and that's what we did and then later on it came out you know, he's like, oh, let's do a live show. We can go out and play. And Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So then we got the record done, and then it's, oh, we're going to do Daryl's House, and you're going to play the two songs that you did on the collection. Yes. So then we had to figure out how to play Strawberry Fields live in a very short time. We had already played You Can't Do That with Mark, so that one we kind of well, had. thank God for that. Yeah. We were ready for that, but Strawberry Fields is an ambitious song. We had to learn it fairly quickly and Kristen was a bit afraid of that wasn't she well yeah with good reason yeah i wanted to ask you is there any way that is that ever going to surface for anyone to see again yes yeah there'll, there'll be some um we're, we're going to be able to uh to show that well it's good for people to know that so if you didn't see it in the time that it was broadcast which was the ninth wasn't it it was october 9th yeah there, there will be a chance at some point in the future for people to see it yes but if you did see it, you would have seen Kristen uh, and her pedal board uh, playing all these licks one after the other that she was able to do one at a time when we recorded it, and she had to do it all live. And it was, yeah, it's, it was, it was daunting, but she she nailed it. Of course, she nailed, and sing yeah. and sing too. Yeah, she yeah. nailed it. But that's you know, that's what we do. That's what we're that's what we're here to do, <laughs> and it's fun. So um, I'm going to read something that Yoko. Uh, says, and it just really resonated with me. She starts by saying, John was a brilliant man with a great sense of humor and understanding. He believed in being truthful and that the power of the people will change the world, and it will. And then, this is what really resonated with me. All of us have the responsibility to visualize a better world for ourselves and our children. The truth is what we create. It's in our hands. Love, Yoko. Well, I can't think of a better way to wrap up this first episode of Vibrations, Music and Musings from the House of Vibes. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. This podcast can be found at our website, www.gripweeds.com. If you go to the media section, there's a little tab there for podcasts. We will be posting this on Twitter, on Facebook other social media like Instagram. What you want to do, I think, is you'll want to subscribe to this. And we'll see you all next time. Stay well, stay safe, and keep those vibrations pure and good. <laughs>